Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And since it is Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I spent some time this week thinking about the tradition that my family had growing up where we had to go around in a circle and each person had to say what they were thankful for. I don't know if your family uh, did something similar to that. Uh, don't worry. We're not going to do that right now. I'm not going to make you stand up and say what you're thankful for. Uh, but I remember my sisters and I, we would always go with the standards. Uh, I'm thankful for Jesus. Uh, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful that I live in Canada. And my aunt would join us for Thanksgiving, and she's older, she's refined. And there was one year when it came to her turn, she said that she was thankful for central heating that we were able to efficiently and evenly heat our homes so that we could live in places like Calgary where it gets to be minus 30 in the winter so we don't all freeze to death. And I remember as a, a young person, it took me a few moments even to wrap my head around it. Wait, Aunt Joanne, you're thankful for the furnace? It had never even crossed my mind to be thankful for the furnace. Well, just a, a few years ago, uh, it was winter, it was minus 20 outside, and I went to go and check on our thermostat, and it must have been my uh, socks on the carpet, but when I pressed the button on the thermostat, a static shock hit the thermostat and fried all of the electronics inside. It was completely dead. And my wife and I just started to feel over the next 20 minutes our house just get colder and colder. We had a baby and a toddler sleeping upstairs. And it was a Sunday evening, late, all of the stores were closed. And so I had to call an emergency furnace repair guy who got to my house at 2 a.m. and sold me the world's most expensive thermostat. But once that hot air was pumping through our house again, I have never been more thankful in my life. You know, it's hard to be thankful for what we take for granted. It's hard to be thankful and put our focus on what we're thankful for when there's so much focus in our world on all the things that are going wrong. It's hard to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful when you just lost your job. It's hard to be thankful when you're struggling with an illness. It's hard to be thankful when those things that you've been looking forward to and expecting keep getting delayed. It's hard to be thankful when it seems like your world is being shaken. And so I want us to consider today, how can we as Christians, for those of us here today that are following Jesus, how can we maintain a grateful heart considering all of the challenges that are around us? And really, I want us to start from the position of, you know, I, I'm not going to spend any time convincing you that it's good to be thankful or it's important to be thankful. There's been a number of scientific studies that you can go and look at on the benefits of gratitude and thankfulness. And so if you're unsure about that, I encourage you to Google it and take a look at some of those things. But I'm working from the position that we want to be thankful. We want to have a heart of gratitude 
And yet it's challenging when things are challenging around us. And so how can we maintain a grateful heart? Well, in order for us to look at this, we are going to look at a beautiful example of someone in the New Testament who had a grateful heart. We're going to see what we can learn from that individual. And there's also three traps that I want us to examine and to see how we can avoid. Three things that want to trip us up when it comes to gratitude, when it comes to being thankful. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to join me today. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke And we're going to go to Luke chapter 17. And so if you've got an app or you've got a Bible, I'm going to give you a few moments to turn there. Uh, The New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke. So we're going to the book of Luke. And we're going to go uh, to chapter 11. And really, I'm just stalling to give you time right now to turn there. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. A few more seconds for you to flip your pages and to get there. Luke chapter 17. In verse 11, this is what it says. It says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So in our passage, we see Jesus and his disciples. And they are on their way to Jerusalem. And they're in this borderland in between Galilee and Samaria And just as they're done traveling for the day, they're going to go into the village. There are ten men with leprosy standing at a distance, crying out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Well, if you've had to quarantine at any point in this pandemic, then you know the feeling of isolation, having to stay at home, not being able to see friends and family, not being able to just pop out to the store to grab something that you wanted. And for lepers in the New Testament, in, throughout the Bible, uh, they lived in that state perpetually. They were considered, if you had leprosy, you had a skin disease, then it meant that you were unclean. And you were not allowed to be around anybody. And so uh, if you all of a sudden developed a skin disease, you could no longer hug your kids You couldn't be with your spouse. You couldn't go to work. You had to lose everything and stay outside of the cities, outside of the towns. The only people you could hang out with were other lepers. And so there's 10 men who are standing at a distance because they're not allowed to come any closer. And they're crying out to Jesus to have mercy on them. And Jesus looks at them and instructs them to go to the priests. 
Now, this is not Jesus dismissing them. This isn't Jesus saying, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this. Just you go, the priest will take care of this. But what it is is that if you had leprosy, you were not allowed to be in society. The only way you could re-enter society is if you were healed. If your leprosy was completely gone, then you had to go and present yourself to the priests. And the priest would look you over, and if all of the skin disease was completely eradicated, then they would pronounce you clean, and you could re-enter society. You could go back to your friends and your family, go back to how life was before. The only problem was, was that there was no human cure for leprosy. In fact, the priests in Jesus' time didn't even really believe it was possible for people to be healed of leprosy. But Jesus tells these men to go and present themselves to the priests. These ten men, they have nothing to lose. They, they listen to Jesus and they obey Jesus. And through their obedience, as they are on their way towards the priests, they are cleansed of their leprosy. All ten of them are cleansed and healed. As they're walking along, they start to look, hey, that rash you had is gone. Hey, that white kind of flaky stuff that you had, it's completely gone. They recognize that they have been cleansed, they've been healed. And one man goes back to Jesus. When he sees Jesus, he praises God. He goes and falls at Jesus' feet and profusely thanks him. Have you ever met a truly thankful person? You know, I've met a lot of polite people, people who are really good at saying please and thank you, and that's not really what I'm talking about. But in my life, I've met a handful of truly thankful people. People. It just seems like they have a different perspective on life, on the world. They just seem to appreciate everything a little bit differently. They slow down. They have this childlike wonder about everything. They just seem to be truly thankful. Sometimes I wonder, like, are you being, are you sincere right now? Like, even when they're praying over their food, they're just so grateful, so thankful for everything. You know, sometimes I, I don't necessarily think that that is myself. That, that's not how I, I'm wired. That doesn't come naturally to me to just be that type of person. When I see that, I'm always surprised by it. People who are just so deeply, genuinely thankful. When we see this man, he is deeply thankful to Jesus. And what I want us to consider is what motivates this man to go back to Jesus? Why does he go back? There are 10 men, they're walking along. They experience this miracle. They are healed completely. And yet something causes this one guy to say, you know what, I am gonna leave these other nine guys who I have been in community with. They're the only people I could talk to. They're the only people I could hang out with. They're all going to continue going on, but I am going to say, no, I'm going to go back, even if you don't come with me. What's motivating him? In going back to Jesus, he's delaying his re-entry into society. You know, to fulfill the law, he's still going to have to go and present himself to the priest. He's still going to have to be told that he's clean. And then he's going to be able to see his friends and his family and go back to his home. And so he's delaying all that in order to go back to Jesus. What's motivating him? Is it just a sense of Canadian politeness? 
Just got to make sure I say thank you. No, there's something deeper welling up inside of him. In fact, when he gets to Jesus, he shouts, praise God. He exclaims. It comes bursting out of him. His praise to God. Where before he was at a distance from Jesus, now he runs up and he lays down in front of Jesus, right at his feet, to thank him. There is something internal motivating him, drawing him back to Jesus. Jesus takes this opportunity to teach his disciples a lesson. He mentions, hey, look, look at the guy who came back. He's a foreigner. He's a Samaritan. He's ethnically different than Jesus and all of the disciples. And Jesus is pointing out to them, hey, look, this is the guy who came back. Because this leper, he was on the outside of society because he was a leper. But then, even after he is cleansed and able to re-enter society, because he was a Samaritan, to the disciples, he was still an outsider even after he'd been healed. And Jesus is pointing out to them, do you see who came back? Do you see who's thankful to me? And we can infer from that that the other men who didn't come back were probably ethnically the same as Jesus and his disciples. They're not the ones who came back. This guy came back. So Jesus is making a point to show this to his disciples. This man had a grateful heart. Jesus says to him, stand, uh, go, stand, uh, stand and go. Your faith has healed you. And that word healed is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And throughout the New Testament, it's used for salvation. What Jesus is saying is that through his faith that has led him back, as he's been motivated to come back, through his gratefulness, as he's lying at Jesus' feet, Jesus says, stand up and go. Through your faith, you've been healed. You've been made whole. You've been saved. So 10 men were cleansed of leprosy. 10 men were healed, but one man came back. And he is not just experiencing external healing, but he's experiencing supernatural, spiritual healing inside of him. He experiences salvation. He's saved by grace through faith. And Jesus sends him to go. Jesus also mentions, hey, I healed 10 men. Jesus knows that in just a word and as they went that all 10 were healed and yet only one came back. Where are the other nine? This leads us to our traps that we need to be aware of. There's three traps that I want to mention today. The first trap these nine men have fallen into. It's the trap of ingratitude. These nine men also experienced An incredible miracle. And yet their miracle didn't draw them back to Jesus. They kept going. We see what motivates this man to come back to Jesus. His thankful heart. His desire to worship. It's welling up inside of him. But for these nine men, for whatever reason, they don't come back to Jesus. The one who with a word healed them. 
They've fallen into the trap of ingratitude. I mean, I'm sure they could come up with a, a number of justifications. Well, Jesus said we have to go to the priest, and so, no, we can't go back to Jesus. we got to keep going. But I think that sometimes I see in my life how I can get so caught up in what's next, in what's ahead, in where I'm going, that I don't stop and realize, and I'm not thankful for what I have and for what God has done and what he's doing in my life because I'm so busy looking ahead at where I'm going. And I think these nine men were so focused on, well, we gotta get to the priest and we gotta re-enter society and I'm gonna see my spouse and I'm gonna see my kids and I'm gonna see my friends. And they were so focused on that that they weren't drawn back to Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we can look at that man who was cleansed of leprosy and we can say, of course he was thankful. Of course he was thankful. He experienced an incredible miracle. He was healed of his leprosy. So of course he was thankful. And if I had experienced a great miracle, and if God would just do a great miracle for me, I would be thankful too. And I think those nine men are a significant warning to us that that may not be the case. We'd all like to think that we would be the ones who would turn around and go back to Jesus. But nine men didn't. So the first trap is the trap of ingratitude. The second trap that we need to watch out for, Jesus mentions it in the next chapter. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable about two men who go to the temple to pray. It's a story that Jesus tells about a Pharisee who goes, and a tax collector. They both go to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, he stands tall and proud and he separates himself from everybody else and he's in the temple praying. And I want to look at this. This is Luke 18, verse 11. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. And I give you a tenth of my income. This man has fallen into the trap of self-righteous gratitude. What is motivating his thanks to God? It comes from comparison to others. It's about saying my moral record is better than these other people and so I am superior to them. And that's what's motivating his thankfulness. It comes down to the check marks that he's able uh, to check, the check boxes to say, well, look at what I do for you, God. And that's why I'm thankful. It's the type of thankfulness that says, God, thank you for all that you've given me because it's more than other people. God, thank you that you have so richly blessed me. But also, I kind of deserve it because I've been so faithful and so good. What motivates our thankfulness to God? Is it based in comparison? I think sometimes we can see at this time of year, there's this performative aspect that creeps into people being thankful. Wow, I'm so thankful for my giant house. Let me give you a tour of how, how giant it is. It's so wonderful. Oh, isn't it so incredible? I have so much to be thankful for. But what is the motivation for our thankfulness? 
The Pharisee stands so proudly as he thanks God. But we saw the chapter before, the leper who lies at the feet of Jesus. He's not thinking he's better than anybody else. He's just so thankful for what Jesus has done inside of him. So it's the motivation for our thankfulness. Third trap that we need to watch out for, we need to be aware of, that wants to trip us up, is the trap of situational gratitude. Is our gratitude rooted in our circumstances? That when life is going good, we're just so grateful and so thankful. But as soon as situations get challenging, as soon as things are hard, our gratitude evaporates. Is our gratitude based on our circumstances? Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That those of us who are following Jesus, we know God's will for us. It's that we would be thankful in all circumstances. We talked right off the top about how challenging that is. When life is hard, when our world seems to be shaken, it's very difficult for us to be thankful. And yet Paul, who wrote this to the church, Paul, in another place in the New Testament, he talks about how he was beaten with rods multiple times for the sake of the gospel. How he was imprisoned multiple times. He had people hurling stones at him, trying to kill him multiple times. He was shipwrecked multiple times. And he is the one who is telling us that we need to be thankful in all circumstances. So he knows what he's talking about. It's not like his life was just a piece of cake and so simple and so easy. He knows the challenge of this. That's the third trap, the trap of situational gratitude. So how do we do this? How can we maintain a grateful heart when life is so challenging, when things can be so hard? How can we do this? I think that we need to see ourselves like the leper. I want you to consider what it would be like to be healed of leprosy. That after you were cleansed of leprosy, every time you hugged your kids, every time you were with your spouse, every time you played games with friends, it would be a reminder to you, I used to not be able to do this because I had leprosy. But then Jesus cleansed me. Jesus saved me. And so now I'm here with you. We need to see ourselves like the leper. Consider that man who was cleansed and healed and saved from his leprosy. I'm sure that in the rest of his life, there were days that were incredibly challenging, times that were very, very difficult. And yet in those moments, he'd be able to look back and say, you know what, I was once an outsider. I was once not even able to be here with you, but Jesus came and cleansed me and saved me. 
And so this is incredibly difficult right now. But also I can be thankful because of the miracle that Jesus has done inside of me. And I think we need to have that same perspective of the miracle that Jesus has done in us. That we once had a disease of sin that we could do nothing to cure. We were once outsiders. We were once separated from God. But Jesus cleansed us. Jesus saved us. Jesus made us holy. This is how Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians. He's writing to the church and he's talking about uh, those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, those who are not partakers in the kingdom of God. He lists off a whole bunch of different types of people. But then he ends with this in verse 11. He says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I think that when we can see what Jesus has done for us, we too can be those who are thankful in every circumstance. We can watch out for those traps where we know it has nothing to do with our moral record. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done for us. Where we don't allow our pride to lead to ingratitude that says, no, I, I won't go back. No, I won't lay at the feet of Jesus. No, I don't need to do that. We won't fall into the trap that says it's only based on my circumstances or my situation that determines my thankfulness. So we need to see ourselves like the leper. The leper, he turned back to Jesus. There was something that welled up inside of him. Can we be those like the leper that when we look at Jesus, something wells up inside of us and we can't help but say, praise God. We need to see ourselves like the leper. Something welling up inside of us. You know what? I think that there are probably people here, even right now, as you consider what Jesus has done for you, there's something welling up inside of you. There's a desire to say thank you, to praise him. But I've been in a lot of church services. And there's been times where I've sat in the church service and something has absolutely welled up inside of me, in my spirit, that makes me say, man, I am so thankful, I'm so grateful. But I've also sat in church services where sometimes I don't feel anything. There's nothing welling up inside of me. And I think it's in moments like that, if you're here and you're feeling there's not something bubbling up inside of you, then this is what I want to encourage you with. I want you, I want us to do what David did in Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And I think today we can speak to our soul. We can speak to our mind and say, mind, we are going to praise the Lord. I am going to be thankful no matter what my circumstances are. And I'm going to bend my will to say, you know what? I am going to praise the Lord.
I'm gonna be like that leper. I'm gonna remind myself of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so I'm gonna humble myself and that pride that's within me. And I'm gonna praise the Lord. No matter where my emotions might be at today, what I'm feeling and the indicator of, of what's happening around me, I'm gonna say, I will still praise the Lord. And so here's what I want us to do. Could we stand up to our feet? If you are able to stand, I wanna invite you it's an opportunity for us today. Stand up if you are willing, if you're able. And I'm gonna pray through Psalm 103. And I want us to be like the leper. He shouts, he falls at the feet of Jesus. We can lift our hands, we can be thankful and just wherever you're at to say, Jesus, I thank you, I thank you. Soul, I'm gonna praise the Lord. I'm gonna bless the Lord even right now. Here's what Psalm 103 says. It says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Jesus, we thank you right now. God, we thank you with everything that is inside of us. We speak to ourselves and we say, we will be those who bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. God, we thank you that we are not going to forget. We're gonna remind ourselves of what you have done and what you've accomplished, the miracle that you've done inside of us. Jesus, we thank you that you forgive all of our iniquities. We say thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you heal us, that you've healed us. You're healing us. You'll continue to heal us. We thank you for the healing you're doing in this place. Even right now, Jesus, we thank you that you are our healer. We thank you that you've redeemed our life from destruction. Jesus, we thank you that you crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. We thank you for your mercy, Jesus. We thank you that our satisfaction is found in you. You satisfy our mouth with good things. Our youth is renewed like the eagle. We're those who say, we will bless the Lord. We will thank the Lord.
We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We bless you today. We say thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for the miracle that has taken place in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. It's not just for one weekend of the year, but God, let it be uh, that we have grateful hearts, no matter the situations or the circumstances, not based on what we've done, but based on what you've done, with no hint of comparison inside of ourselves. God, would we be those who are grateful? Amen. Amen. Last thing, if you are here today and you are not in right relationship with Jesus, maybe you feel like you're standing at a distance. Those 10 men, they cried out to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And today, if that's the cry of your heart to say, Jesus, would you be my master? Jesus, would you have mercy on me? Would you cleanse me? Would you save me? then even right now, from wherever you're at, watching online here in the building, just make that your heart's cry to say, Jesus, would you come and save me? Jesus is here. He's looking right at you. And just like with those 10 men, he will tell you what to do next. And I know that Jesus, right now, if that's your heart, Jesus has cleansed you. Jesus has healed you. Jesus has made you whole. Jesus has saved you. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you, tell somebody about that decision you made to follow Jesus, that you asked him to save you. Come up to the front, let me know. Share it with someone around you. If you're online, put it in the comments. But we're just so excited to walk with you through the next steps of following Jesus. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us on this Thanksgiving weekend. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.